Welcome in to episode two of the Mass NZ podcast. I'm Mike McMahon with Mark Bellotta. Mark, how are you? Doing good, Mike. How's everything going? Everything's going good. Everything's going good. We, we had a lot of positive feedback from episode one. So pretty exciting stuff. We we did. It was, it was awesome because, you know, we, we weren't sure exactly how big the audience would be, especially when we launched this. People didn't know it was coming. It was brand new. And, you know, we've gotten a lot of uh, DMs and PMs from different places on social and had a few emails here and there. Um, plus um, a number of five-star reviews across Spotify and we love those. on um, Apple podcasts. We love us some five-star <laughs> reviews. So right. that's, that's pretty cool. I don't think I've ever been rated five stars at anything. So no, this is pretty cool. I know that I haven't been. <laughs> so so it, it is pretty cool. And I mean, I guess like on the, on the Nutrizone scale, we're, we're like, that's that's top five pick territory right there. That's yeah. That's that's NHL territory if you're in the five star range. I mean, Celebrini's a five star guy, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not no, this is a Celebrini rich. style podcast. Yeah. So there you go. We're right at right at the top of right at the top of the list. I like it. Uh, a lot going <laughs> on. Obviously, we're, we're kind of getting going into the season here, which is we talked about it when we recorded a couple of weeks ago. That hey, this it starts fast. You know, tryouts are going to happen, and then bam, we're going to be right into it. Uh, but the Regan Summit was this past weekend, and. The, the, there's literally games this weekend for the start of the regular season. It's it, you said it picks up fast, and yeah, it picks up fast. Like tryouts end, the Regan Summit happens, and then bang, you know, you're right into the regular season. Yeah, exactly. And you know, some teams it, it depends because every coach runs things a little bit differently. So in some cases, you'll have coaches that'll extend those tryouts all the way through until you know the actual games at the end of this weekend. So you know, there's a lot of that stuff still getting finalized in many cases. Some um, coaches have put their rosters out, and we have a number of them that are already up on the site across a number of different divisions. And then there are um, other coaches who are still kind of taking their time, getting a feel for who goes where and, and all of those kind of things. But the, the thing is that, you know, as soon as you hit Thanksgiving, from Thanksgiving to the beginning of the season, it's like in a blink of an eye. It's just gone immediately. How rare is it? This, we didn't talk about this the last time, but I'm, I'm curious. In, in your experience kind of watching this, I mm -hmm. feel like as a hockey parent – it's got to be extremely rare, maybe not for a freshman to make varsity because that happens often, right? You'll see freshmen that pop up on varsity rosters. But how rare is it for a freshman to make a varsity roster and play a significant role? Because mm -hmm. I, I feel like the, the, the difference between a 14-year-old and an 18-year-old is enormous. Like there's not a big difference between a, you know, I'm 39. So between a 39-year-old and a 35-year-old, like we're kind of the same, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But the difference between a 14-year-old and an 18-year-old can be – massive so i mean obviously yeah. every once in a while you're going to get those players that come in and play right away you're also talking like high school hockey i know a lot of these coaches aren't i mean they're not rolling four lines right you might only be rolling two and a half maybe uh or you know two sets of forwards two sets of d or something like that how in your observations how rare has it been for a freshman to make a roster uh but more so mm -hmm. like actually be a contributor a contributor as a freshman yeah, and a lot of that really depends on the situation. So much of it is contextual. So it really depends on, you know, what division you're watching, what team you're watching, what what the availability is for, you know, the rosters. So in some cases, like, for example, I just uploaded a roster um, not too long ago for Rockland High School. 
And I was taking a look at their roster. They literally do not have an entire senior on that squad. Wow. It's literally juniors, sophomores, freshmen, and eighth graders. Wow. So the entire yeah, thing is eighth graders for, too. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nope. And, and that's the thing too, is a lot of, a lot of these teams, you know, some of them will play eighth graders. I actually, I uploaded yet another roster that had um, a couple of eighth graders earlier today, but you know, and that's also St. Mary's Lynn is the one that always comes to mind because they are very much willing to play their younger players, freshmen and eighth graders and what have you, and get those kids varsity minutes so that the, when they actually get to, you know, the high school ranks and they can actually start playing even more and more over time that they've already played a full season or have two seasons under their belt in some cases. Another another great example of that is um, Chase Field, um, who is one of our players on the All Upside team that we named on Instagram and Twitter. Um, playing for Barnstable, and he played starting as an eighth grader. And, you know, you, you make the point of a 14-year-old being very different from an 18-year-old. Obviously, if you're playing as an eighth grader against high school athletes, you're going to be, you know, a few inches shorter and a few pounds lighter and things like that. And despite that, it's a lot of those really good players that are able to make those rosters and make an impact. You know, that's that's something that's pretty special, and that's exactly what Chase Field did. And as he progressed from being an eighth grader to a freshman – now moving up to a sophomore, you know, he's really starting to take the bull by the horns. And, you know, we feel like he's poised for a pretty big developmental year this year. Um, the same thing applies also if you go a little bit further back um, in the calendars to a guy that we talked about on the last pod, Ryan Leonard. He came in as a freshman right off the bat, yeah. and he was instantly the best player in Mass High School. Now, how often are you going to have that? And, he's a, like, and then he ends up being a first-round pick. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right? Those guys probably and, feel like unicorns to a certain extent. <laughs> exactly. And you're talking about seeing that like once in a decade, once every 25 years or yeah. something. So that doesn't happen all the time. What I will say is to directly answer your question, if you look at it from you know freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, obviously you're going to have a lot of rosters that are very senior and junior laden. You will have you know a handful of freshmen on some teams then there are other rosters where you have a high degree of turnover. And in rosters, especially where you don't have um, you know, the ability to bring in just a giant swath of other seniors or other juniors or sophomores to fill those roster spots, where else are you going to go? You're going to have to go and get freshmen or you're going to have to go and get sophomores or what have you. And there are some cases of D1 teams who are doing exactly that. A great example is Bishop Fenwick. And you know we talked about that um, a little bit earlier before we started hitting record here, but, you know, they have a ton of freshmen on their roster. And a lot of that comes with, you know, new coach, new attitude, and, sure. you know, trying to build that program. It's very, very different from a public school like a Braintree, a Hingham, a Marshfield, where you have upperclassmen that are just ready to take those spots instantaneously. Yeah, I, I don't imagine, too, like whether it's Hingham or, or Redding, like the, these publics that you, we talked about where you said, you know, they get 100 kids at tryouts. Some right. of those teams probably have... You know, they may have juniors on their JV who are ready to oh, come up no. as senior. You know what I mean? I imagine that happens a lot. It probably depends on the situation because you've also got, yeah. like you said, smaller smaller publics and maybe some privates that are rebuilding that go to younger players because they don't have a choice. They have to. Yeah, that's that's very true. And specifically to juniors, that's actually – it's kind of a rite of passage um, playing for a, a team like Zavarian, for example. So they have one of the better JV teams in the state – and so essentially what they will do is they'll have you play either as a freshman or a sophomore traditionally. Now, not every player goes through this. There are some that are able, who are a cut above, who come in and play underclassmen minutes for the Hawks. Um, your Will Irvings, who went on to play prep, um, you know, and, and other players like that. Um, 
but the majority of players will play at the JV level as a freshman and a sophomore, and then they will get moved up to the top squad as a junior. Yeah, That's a pretty typical path specifically for that organization. Some coaches work that way. Other coaches say, you know, let's just play the youth, get the minutes, get them out there. It's very much just different opinions in, you know, how to do developmental stuff. But the the ultimate answer, you know, kind of to that freshman question is you have a lot of freshmen that are contributing across the state. I would say much more heavily in the lower divisions, especially sure. because in those cases, you don't have a lot of, you know, players who are upperclassmen who can grab those roles at the higher levels. You do at the same time, you also have a lot of freshmen coming in who are absolute studs who are going to, you know, really start to, you know, pull in a ton of ice time as the year goes on. Yeah. Like I said, I'm sure, like you said too, context is key. Like it probably depends mm-hmm. on a lot on situations and stuff like that. You know, I just think of, you talk about the, the size disparity. I, I have a U14 player who's in eighth grade. Right. And there's a, such a, a size disparity within their age group, like just within the 09s. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. You know, uh, some kids are are 5'3 and 100 pounds, and other kids are – I mean, Tyler literally had a kid on his team last year who's 6'2", 180, like as a, as a yep. 13-year-old. You know, he's huge. He's massive. And, and yep. that's, you know, on the extreme end. But still, there's some bigger kids who are, you know, 5'10", 5'11", and 145, 150 at the U14 age level. And then there's other kids who are barely 100 pounds. Like it's kind of crazy the – the size difference that you'll get at that age within one age group. But then you talk about 14 to 18. Well, it's not only that physical maturity. I'm sure there's some mental maturity too. And like, how, how can you process the game and, and how quickly can you understand certain concepts? Cause some of these coaches, especially those, those freshmen uh, and eighth graders are going to get hit with stuff that they may have never gotten hit with before in terms of, you know, look, this is all mm-hmm. we want our forecheck to be. And it, it just, it gets a little more, there's more layers to it as opposed to kind of playing a very simple youth hockey system. I would, I would think. Exactly. And in a lot of cases, especially when you have freshmen who are coming in, um, the coaches clearly see something in them, whether it's their athleticism, it's their intelligence, it's their, you know, ability to read plays, things like that. Or in some cases it's like you said, it's purely size, but on top of that, it's how to use your size, you know, uh, proportionately. Um, a good example there is um, a player like Jack Fitzpatrick, who played for Zavarian as a freshman last year. Um, he's a player out of Canton who was a late 2007 birth year and, you know, one of the younger players, you know, on that team. But what he did over the course of the season, he was able to, you know, grow into his frame a bit more and use it more and more effectively as the season wore, wore on. And eventually they ended up getting to the championship game, you know, so like that's just one one example. But, you know, it certainly helps to have size and have strength. And that's that definitely goes a long way in the mass high school game where in some cases you may not have the biggest and the strongest kids, but at the same time you have the polar opposite, like a chase field at Barnstable, not the biggest player, but silky smooth hands, great quickness, excellent IQ. That'll take you a long way. Sure. Sure. Uh, well, the Regan summit was this past weekend. Uh, for those that don't know what that is, uh, kind of give us a, a, a rough breakdown of what exactly that is. Cause I mean, it's a, it's a really cool event. Uh, but but how does it all kind of break down? Who was there? What exactly is it? Yeah, for sure. So um, the first place to start is, you know, the Garrett Reagan Summit, obviously named for Garrett Reagan, who was a legendary coach for years and years at Hingham High School. Um, the event was named for him. And um, obviously the namesake school Hingham is one of the top teams competing every year. Um, so a number of the top public and private schools across Mass High School, both on the boys and girls side, come to play. Um, it all takes place at uh, New England Sports Center, 
um, in Marlboro every year. It's which always if, which the, if you've played hockey in New England, if you have a kid who plays hockey yeah. in New England, like you, you've been there five hundred times. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you. It, basically, the way it works is you know that you've officially reached like the highest tier if you've played a game in every single rink in that in that facility. <laughs> yeah, was it like so, fourteen or something? Oh man, yeah, no. And what, what's what's incredible is they have you know eight rinks or whatever it is or ten rinks or whatever, and yet there's never enough parking. I, I I've never understood that. I know. I know. <laughs> I know, I know. I've uh, I've parked in the street and I've had to walk in before. Yep. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's the hotel across the street. Yep. Oh yeah, yep. yep. There's all those all those little little tricks trying to figure out ways, but <laughs> yeah, no, that it's um, it's actually you know it's it's laid out pretty well to be able to bounce around. But you know, I that was one of the nice things is I can carry the pedometer in my pocket and you know I get my steps in every time I go to NESC. Oh and yeah, and that's the the Reagan Summit because you're literally bouncing between seven different rinks over the course of a day. And, you know, all of the games are about an hour long, maybe just a tad beyond that. Um, in this case, this year, they played um, two 15s in essentially two halves. Um, so they were quick games, really just, you know, for the kids to kind of get familiar with the the speed of the game and kind of get a chance to play somebody who isn't their own teammates and, you know, that kind of thing. But it, it's it's a great event because it's unofficially the kickoff of the season. In some cases, there may have been scrimmage games that take place beforehand, and there will obviously be scrimmage games that take place after. But to get all of these teams together in one place, and they treat it as a, a big media event, it's covered heavily um, by us, by um, the Mass High School hockey folks. And so it's it's a big to-do every year. There are 70 teams that competed this past year between the boys and the girls' side. Um, we ended up watching about 10 games um, just from you know getting there at around 9.30 all the way to about three o'clock. So, you know, they just shuffle them in, shuffle them out, but it's a, it's a really fun event to kick things off every year in the first weekend in December. That's awesome. Yeah. You almost want, I mean, it's really hard to do logistically, um, but it would be cool to have even something like that. Find, find a, something during the regular, maybe like February vacation week or something like find something to, to do in the regular season where you can do that and pack and do like, look, we're gonna do like 20 games in one day type of thing or something. It would be cool to kind of add mm-hmm. another component to it. But um, what, what, I mean, you, you talked about, you were there, you, you saw a, a bunch of different games, obviously a bunch of different players. Uh, what, what were some of the things that stood out? Yeah. And, and actually, by the way, to your point, they actually have started doing that. This is all the brainchild of uh, John Missouri over at Arlington. Oh, nice. I'm um, starting up the Ed Burns tournament where, you know, you have most of the top public schools across the state, all competing over three weekends in February for championships. Um, there's a North one and a South one and all of the best North schools play the North schools, the best South schools play the best South schools. And then they crown a champion. It's, it's a pretty cool um, concept and it brings together a lot of really talented uh, teams. So that's been, that's been a great um, addition to, you know, at, they added that to the schedule a couple of years ago that's pretty and cool. it's, it's been awesome to, uh, to have it every February. Yeah. But, I, I know obviously a lot of them will have Christmas tournaments and stuff like that over the, yes. the holiday break, which is always kind of fun. You know, I've, I've, I know I've watched the the Mall and the Catholic one a, a couple of times. Uh, I think does Haverhill still do one? I know when I was at the Eagle Tribune, I covered that Haverhill tournament uh, quite a few times. Uh, yep, they do. They still yep, do. They, they have it. Yep, they have it every year. It's um based. In, it's still based in Haverhill, and there are a number of schools that kind of rotate in and out. Haverhill, Methuen, um, Pentucket, a number of other teams locally in the North Shore area that are still there. There's also the Frady's Classic, which is kind of the marquee event with. Most of the top teams in the state, you know, they are all there. So that's another big one. The Sereno that you were just talking about yeah. is is a huge one. Um, there are a number of others too. There's the Battle Road Classic down in Lexington, um, named for obvious reasons. 
Um, there's a whole bunch of other really cool ones too, but um, yeah, no, that, that's, that is one of the cool things is in this area, you know, Christmas time means tournament time. So that's, that's always a blast for us. I saw Brian. So I think he was an eighth grader. Uh, I watched Brian Ward from Haverhill play for Haverhill high. And he ended up playing at St. Lawrence. I was a mm-hmm. captain at St. Lawrence, I believe too. Uh, played at, I want to say governors before he went to, before he went to St. Lawrence. But uh, I remember watching him as an eighth grader in that tournament. Speaking of younger players that have contributed uh, and he scored, Want to skate? I want to. He may have had a hat trick. He had at least two goals. I remember uh, in one in one of those Christmas tournament games. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I I don't remember offhand because I think that I might have I might have missed that a little bit before my time. But that that definitely sounds uh, like a fun one. Yeah, he was uh, he was at St. Lawrence. Probably he probably graduated around like sixteen, seventeen. So we're probably talking like oh seven, oh eight, somewhere around there. It was a while ago because. <laughs> hmm. As I look at up, yeah, Brian Ward's thirty-one now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess I guess it was a while ago, but I remember watching him when he was in eighth grade. <laughs> he was either eighth grade or a freshman, but I'm pretty sure he was in eighth grade. <laughs> that's that's the funny thing about this is you know the, these kids grew up so quickly and and you know they they're in and out of the sport so quickly that you know it, it is further evidence that you know you need to really treasure the time that you have with on these teams playing these games with your teammates that you know. It goes by so quickly. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, they all all these years start to blend together after a while. Um, yeah, what what were you some were, of the things that that stood out this weekend as far as like play, any specific players or any specific teams that you caught that caught your eye? Yeah, that's actually one thing I didn't mention about the Reagan Summit is that you don't get a ton of rosters, partially because most of them aren't finalized yet because the teams are still going through tryouts. Oh, true. And yeah. in other cases, because you know a lot of coaches don't um, necessarily take the time to put them together. Unless you're from Stoughton, Brockton, Hudson, Waltham, or Bishop Fenwick, who were kind enough to provide paper rosters while we were there. So quick shout out um, to those coaches. Thank you very much to all of them. Um, a few of the, you know, the teams that that we saw, uh, we we kind of kicked off the day with Bill Ricca against Waltham. And um, we were, I, I think one of the most impressive things that I saw was, you know, even though Bill Ricca has, you know, moved down in division from D1 to D2, they look much improved. And you know, they've, they've been a solid program for many years as a public school. And I feel like this is, this looks like they've injected a bit of youth into the roster. They look stronger. They look a bit more purpose-driven than we've seen, you know, in past, the past couple of years. So they, they look poised to make a nice little jump this year, which is intriguing because they've got a few, a few additional players that we hadn't seen. Um, And then it was Waltham played pretty well in that game, but you could tell there was still some pieces that were coming together and the glue was starting to be built. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you can't make too much judgment on these games. You're only taking little nibbles, bits and pieces to kind of see what you're going to see by the end of the year. So that was, that was one thing that stood out to us immediately. I think another good one was um, there was a 1040 game in rink one between Braintree and Andover um, Braintree. It's, you know, it's so funny because those teams have all the same resemblance. If you look at a Braintree team from five years ago, it looks so similar to a Braintree team today. They play fast. They play tenacious. They are hungry. They are, they just never stop. You know, there, there's a nonstop motor to that, to that team every year. And, you know, in playing Andover, they ended up winning that game two to nothing. But Andover this year brought in a stud goalie in Vinny D'Urso, um, who had a terrific fall in summer. Um, and he was... He was pretty good in this game, but um, the thing that stood out about Andover is, man, they look big. They look big. They look physical. They look strong. So there's there's some interest. There's some intrigue there, you know. So we're curious to see what that 
what that yields during the the regular season. And then um, just a couple other games, uh, we were big fans of Reading, you know, from the game that they played against Milton um, in Ring 7. They looked just so sound. Their forecheck was just deadly, you know, and I remember just looking at it and trying to time it on the clock, but I think there were entire four, five, six-minute stretches where they didn't let the opposition get past the red line. Wow. Like, that's how aggressive their forecheck was. And they were they were in the right places. They were going to the right areas. They were winning battles to pucks. Um, so that was that was pretty impressive what they what they did this early in the season. That was that was legit. And then I think a couple a couple other quick ones. Um, St. John Shrewsbury and Marshfield. That was a great battle um, in the uh, early afternoon. And I, I really like Marshfield's team and you know what they're coming back with. They have a ton of leadership on, that's coming back. Very athletic kids. They can fire the puck from just about anywhere. And St. John Shrewsbury, you know, every everything I read and everything I see about the way that roster is going to be constructed just impresses me more and more. It, they they have a really strong roster of seniors and juniors. They play heavy hockey. They're really tough on their sticks. But they've got a youth infusion that is really, really intriguing. A couple of freshmen I was just reading, um, taking a look at some early roster projections, that they have a couple of kids coming out who are some of the better players in the state in the 2009 age group. So they, they could be poised to make a nice jump this year. I think the, the only other game, and I know I've gone on forever here, but I think the only other game that's worth noting here is um, the Zavarian Hingham game, which every year is kind of like the main event. Everyone just kind of like pauses and drops over to that rink to see what those two teams are doing. Cause routinely those are going to be two of the top teams in the state, you know, no matter what they're coming in with. Um, and that game lived up to its billing big time. Zavarian got out to a really quick lead. They looked really strong, uh, creating all kinds of odd man chances and some great passing, some accurate shooters. They looked really good. Hingham battled back uh, from what was a 3-0 deficit, cut it down to 3-2, to You um, just bowling into the offensive zone and bullying their way into scoring a couple of goals. Zavarian finished it off, you know, I think it was with an empty netter at the end of the game, but both of those teams look really, really strong. And I think they'll be they'll be there towards the end single digit seeds as they always are but that was that was probably the game of the day and i should probably take a drink of water <laughs> you pointed out some of the the publics right uh obviously yep. and, and over i mean the, the ones that stand out the ones that always stand out whether it's arlington or or hingham or redding or you, you you talked about andover which is what you know initially you know peaked this with me it should be of no surprise we're talking about towns that also have really good really strong really large town youth programs, right? And that's, yes. that's kind of the, that's the key. If you're a public, that seems like that's the key to, uh, to, to ending up with a really good public high school program. And it's the, the, the towns that, and I'm sure the high school programs have a lot to do with that too, right? Whether it's uh, the, the high school coach, you know, playing a role in, in, the, in the town program, maybe being on the board or helping cultivate some of the younger players. Um, you know, it's, that seems to be the big key. And I know it's that way in other sports too. Like, High school football coaches are really involved with the the youth programs in town because they that, that's that's your pipeline. And yes, I'm sure Reading and Hingham. I'm sure some of their players are coming from club hockey, like as youth players. But still, it's predominantly guys that played in the youth program and the size of the youth program. And that's that's how you not only I mean that, that's how you sustain things. I feel like yeah, it is too. And also, it's it's beneficial, especially when you can teach systems early on and kind of work your way through the ranks all the way to the point where, okay, now you're here at the tryout to actually get on varsity. Now it's your time to shine. Let's see what you got. So 
that's a that's a pretty consistent thing, especially when you look at it from a public school perspective. And you know, there are a number of public schools who've been able to also keep a lot of the players there because in some cases those those players have had opportunities to go elsewhere, but they've done a really nice job of keeping t- ke- the kids in their town. Arlington has been just phenomenal at that. They've been great at you know, especially like when they won their state championship with Coach Missouri. You know, one of the things that was a huge factor for them, obviously, it was the style they played. They're a terrific defensive team. Um, you know, they lock things down. You know, from the red line in. But on top of that, they had experienced players, many of them who had opportunities to go elsewhere, but chose to stay for the sake of town pride. Um, there, there's a lot to be said about you know the the fact that they wanted to stick with their friends. They knew the system and they wanted to you know finish the job. So. There's a lot of that that goes on in those town programs. Arlington's great at it. Hingham, Marshfield, and you know you can go right down the line. Framingham, Reading. There, there are a lot of them that do that. Yeah, and I like too. Like again, a couple times they mentioned it. Teams that have been aggressive, especially ones on the forecheck, in terms of how you're going to play defensively. I mean, that's stuff that you really you got to kind of cultivate that. It's, it's, I'm sure it's hard in one week while you're also trying kids out to be like, hey, this is how we're going to play. Like, if you're able to establish some of that stuff at the younger age levels, even if it's not until they're peewees or bantams, like you're not doing it with mites, right? But when they, mm-hmm. they get up to bantam age, uh, you start to introduce some of that stuff. And then if it's the same system they're going to run in high school, like you, you got guys coming in that already have familiarity with this stuff. It's not like they got to figure out where they got to go if they're the F2 or the F3 or, or, wait, I'm over here now. Or, I've always been used to being on this side or who's pressure mm-hmm. and where. Just just getting all those things worked out earlier. Now it's just like second nature to these kids. And Because, uh, again, yeah. especially in, in something like – uh, you know, a preseason jamboree like this, where you're gonna you're gonna run out there like four days after you're done, you know, really just trying out. It's gonna be hard to to get any of that, you know, put into place. So if you're seeing a team like Reading, who it was really aggressive on their forecheck and seemed to have that down, I mean, that's something that's taught. You know, at, at it, obviously you got returning players, but that's something that's taught throughout. I would think the youth program, to, so the kids really oh, yeah. understand how how this team wants to play. Yeah, and and the key too is simplicity because. You know, it's it's and it's kind of funny because I was hearing this on talk radio when I was in the car earlier today, um, talking about you know the complexity of like the Patriots um, offense and how that's been a problem for <laughs> Patriots wide receivers and quarterbacks. Yeah, that's a totally different podcast, and I'll set that one up with you, you know, off the air later. But <laughs> I think it's there is a little bit of similarity on the hockey side too when it comes to high school players because the key is you you want to have teaching points and you want to be able to coach these kids up and give them a system to play within. Maybe your system is a little bit you know you know, bouncing back and forth and you're trying to, you know, always go, go, go and, you know, all effort. And in other cases, it's, you know, locking things down defensively and forecheck and back check, you know, that kind of thing. But you also don't want to overcomplicate it because the the key is understanding where the role is and what the responsibility is for each of those lines. Because I've talked with some of the coaches in the league and in many cases, they understand each of those lines when they roll over the boards, this is what your job is. And, and I think that's, it makes it so much simpler for the players this is your patch of ice. This is the player or the players that you're responsible for. Just go do that. Yeah. You know, as opposed to, you know, here's like, you know, the, you know, the seven inches that you can occupy in this one instance, you know? So they, it, it's, it's all about simplification in those situations. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause you're also dealing with younger players. I mean, you know, you can't overcomplicate yes. it or else it's going to get, it's going to get real messy real quick. I would think. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, looking ahead, like I said, we've got some games coming up this weekend. Uh, they're, is a if you if you haven't read it yet, subscribe over at neutralzone.net and you can read the entire 
Division One preview. There's 25 teams that you looked at here, Mark. We're not going to go through all of them. We want people to subscribe and read the whole thing, obviously. Uh, NutriZone.net, get a subscription there. You'll be able to see the entire story. But what are some of the things that, that stood out? I mean, I guess we, we don't have to be spoilers here, but who do we have as some of the top teams? And, and maybe at the same time, who are you looking at as, as maybe a team that might be able to be a little bit of a spoiler in here, maybe? Oh, yeah. There there are more than a few. And I know, well, um, and I for- know as like we kind of went back and forth way before we recorded, like oh, weeks ago, uh, when, yeah. uh, when this was getting put together. And, and I think you had said there's, there's like a legitimate number of teams that feel like they could be, you know, right at the top spot. I mean, or, or right in that top five mix. Like it kind of yep. felt like you had a dozen teams that could potentially be in the top five. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. And the beautiful thing about that is it's a mix between publics and privates too. So that's kind of a fun twist as well. But um, the other thing too is, you know, you were mentioning that, you know, this is all available behind the paywall at neutralzone.net. Um, and, you know, one thing that is important for people to kind of know as well is, you know, the reason why a lot of this content is behind a paywall is because we use a lot of the revenue that comes from these subscriptions to get more scouts out to more games, to cover more players and get more exposure. You know, that's what the whole goal of, of all of this stuff is ultimately is more exposure for these players. Um, and the other thing too is, you know, I'll kind of embed a little um, earworm in here for folks who are, you know, kind of thinking about subscribing or maybe they're on the fence. Um, if you use the code uh, MassNZPod, you can use that as a code when you subscribe and you'll be able to get 25% off. So just a quick little plug in there for there anybody is. who's, you know, still still listening at this point. Hopefully they, they've continued to listen the whole way. But this is <laughs> this is to make sure that we know. We'll be able to ask them later and see if they did. This is we'll our to gift to you. Ex- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. But but anyways, let me let me formally answer answer the question. So I think you know the obvious. Uh, the, this is the captain obvious answer here. But the two teams that were in the championship game last year are the odds on favorites going into the season. That should come as a surprise to literally no one. Um, so I'm not breaking any news here. But um, Pope Francis and Severian have two of the stronger programs in the state. They have for the last couple of years. And you know once again they are going to be the odds on favorites to you know be in that same position next year. Will it be? We shall see. Both teams sustained some losses, you know, as you know, seniors and juniors um, who ended up leaving. But in many cases, you have a lot of the top players in the state coming back. I love the decor on Pope Francis. I think they're really, really excellent. Um, they also had a breakout goaltender last year with Nick Ritchie. I absolutely love what he did in net. Um, and then if you want to talk about, you know, top goaltenders in the state, the conversation begins and ends with Zavarian's goaltender, Cole Pouliot Porter. Um, who was, you know, the team's MVP. He was a finalist for uh, Mr. Hockey Award. Um, he ended up uh, going to national camp and dominating out there and impressed our national scouts on top of, you know, our scouts based in this area too. So he is he is a legitimate numero uno. And, you know, he has a pretty good defense and offense in front of him. So lots of interesting things there. Um, a few other teams that I think are going to be competing, as you were talking about, in that upper echelon, um, you have your St. John's preps who is, you know, they're always in the conversation and they just continue to reload every year um, on the public school side. I'm a big fan specifically of Franklin. I absolutely love that offense and they are going to have, be able to roll a couple of lines that are going to be deadly pretty much from any position. So that they've got a lot going for them. In addition to a lot of what Marshfield has coming back where they have, a ton of offense. They have some pretty scrappy players as well. And um, players who understand and know the system um, over there. And, 
I, I think they have what it takes to make a pretty good run as well. Um, there are some other teams that I think will probably be in the mix. We talked about Hingham. Um, CM sustained a ton of losses to prep school, but I think they've got some really interesting players um, who are coming in. For those who are in the know, keep an eye on defenseman Brian McFadden. Um, he's a tall, athletic defender who could be a very, very interesting player. I've heard from a couple of different scouts over the fall that he could be one of the better defensemen in the state as a freshman. So he's wow. going to be a really interesting name to keep an eye out for. Um, so in terms of you know teams that could play spoiler or you know some of the other teams that are interesting, I'm a huge fan of what St. John Shrewsbury is putting together. Um, they've got some really good talent at the um, at the top levels as seniors and juniors. They have their leading goal scorer coming back. I, I labeled him in the um, in the write up agitator in chief uh, for Dom Reedy. I love the way he plays. <laughs> Small, undersized, but man, does he get under people's skin? I love the way he plays. Um, and I, I could just go on and on with a number of the players there. Two of the top 09s from Mass um, from the junior uh, from the Bantam ranks are going to be coming in this year. So they've got some interesting pieces there. Um, I love the youth infusion that's going to be coming into Arlington as well. Um, so pairing that defense with, you know, a bit more size coming in the door should be something quite interesting. We've talked a little bit about Reading, love what they're doing. Um, I think another good, you know, potential spoiler that's interesting is Belmont. I love what they have. Um, they have some pretty decent upperclassmen coming back, but um, one of the top rookies that we liked over the summer was Liam Gilderson. Man, that that kid can score and he can skate. He can he can do a lot of things. He could be a, a freshman who could contribute right off the bat. We're excited to see him as soon as we get the opportunity. Um, I think the uh, last one that I'll call out that I think is probably a good a good candidate is um, a team like Winchester, another public school team, but they really don't lose a ton from last year. Um, most of their top contributing seniors and juniors are back. They have a talented sophomore in Luke Sardone. They have a good sophomore defenseman in Nolan Wren. Um, they have some great goaltending with good size with Aiden Emmerich and Max Lowenberg. They'll, they'll be, they'll be right up there. And I don't think a lot of teams are going to enjoy playing them. I can tell you that much, but there's a, a number of other schools who are on this list as well. Um, you know, we we're also, we talked a little bit about Barnstable. They have a couple of um, underclassmen who are quite interesting um, specifically, I think August or Augie Annette, he is, he's a big rangy defender coming in as a freshman, another name for people to keep an eye on, but I don't want to give everything away, but those are just a few little morsels to get, to get people interested in reading the full article. Yeah, I know, uh, I'm looking at St. Mary's here too, and I know they had a couple of younger players, uh, specifically that, that I'm familiar with who had really good freshman seasons last year, um, I've seen Jack Hall play a little bit. My my one of my kids played or went to school with his, his sister, who I think is also at St. Mary's, and is an exceptional hockey player. Uh, and then Aiden Fitzpatrick, who uh, lives only a few houses down from me, who I, I coached against in baseball in little league. Heck of a baseball <laughs> player too. Uh, I I know he had a, was one of their leading scorers last year as a freshman, and is a really really strong player. So uh, they're, they're yeah. a couple of younger guys that that could start to make some noise for uh, you know a team that like you said has always kind of featured those younger guys or at least given them an opportunity. Oh no question. And Fitzpatrick, by the way, is a great story too. The fact that. Um, he actually was going to be um, heading out to juniors um, for this coming season, but he actually decided to spurn juniors and came right back. So um, the head coach uh, was saying that, you that. know, they, yeah. So the, the original plan was that he wanted to um, head over to the junior ranks, but um, dipping the toe in the junior waters didn't quite work out. So 
back with St. Mary's Lynn. And, you know, I, I said this to one of the scouts that I was talking to on text who also covers Mass High School. You know, he could be a kid who could really tear up this league. Like he he has yeah. that kind of skill, that size. He he does a lot of different things to be effective offensively. And I think he's he's continuing to piece together more defensive elements to his game. But he's he's interesting, especially at the MIAA level. He's he's very interesting. Yeah, older 08 too. So he's got he's got yeah. you know he's and he's definitely I mean, he's a bigger kid. I think he's listed five yep. eleven. So he's he's got the size and uh, skilled player. Also a really smart player. Uh, in, in the games that I saw from yes. them last year, like man, he just he gets himself into positions to score goals. There's guys that just kind of have that innate ability to find that space in and around the net, uh, and mm-hmm. and he's really good at and doesn't need a lot of room to do it, but really good at picking out those little soft spots in the ice. And all of a sudden, you know, bang, the puck's on his stick, and he's you know ringing a, a wrist shot in, in at the goalie, <laughs> into the crossbar or something, and, and it's a pretty lethal shot. So uh, he's oh, he's yeah. one that I think. We'll, we'll probably make some noise, like you said, this year for sure. Yeah, and and it's nice because, you know, especially, you know, when you have a lot of uh, players around you that can feed you the puck, you have a lot of, you know, kids who are constantly just cycling around and able to control the puck. And if he's able to get open, you know, that's that's what leads to points. So that should be a pretty, um, pretty successful um, season for them coming up for St. Mary's Lynn. Uh, like we said earlier, uh, a lot of games this weekend. If you go to the schedule page, over at uh, Mass High School or, and Mass High School NC, which is neutralzone.net slash masshs-boys. Uh, that'll get you. You can also click it right on the Neutral Zone website. You go to, I should know where this is, but I want to make sure I'm telling people correctly. Uh, if you go to the Neutral Zone website, just neutralzone.net, hit highlight the leagues tab, scroll down Mass High School. You click it right there and bam, you'll be right at the Mass High School page. Uh, the schedules are there. Mark pointed out that we've already got some rosters up. You can check those out. Um, but yeah, a lot of games on the docket right here for, for this week. We've got some coming up, you know, as early as, as Friday night, a lot of games on Saturday. Uh, what are some of the games that, that you're looking forward to this weekend? Cause there's a lot of big matchups already on the board here, you know, really early on. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's a lot, there's a lot coming up that is going to be really interesting for us. Um, this is also, you're kind of in a hybrid section of the schedule where, especially there are a lot of games that are going on, you know, tonight as we record this and all of those are going to be scrimmage games because in many cases, the schools don't officially recognize the, or don't start their seasons until um, December 9th. So that's most of those games are going to be um, full go, full send. We'll be able to officially start the season and start claiming winners and and losers in terms of those games. But um, we're interested, especially on the ninth on Saturday to kind of see a few of these matchups, the ones that are jumping off the page to me. Um, I'm interested to see um, the, the state champions back in action with Canton. Um, that was actually the first game we went to last year as well, where we went down to what is affectionately known as the Ponky down in, in Canton. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Canton is going to be traveling this year, um, to Lincoln Sudbury's home at where else? NESC. So, um, we'll, so we will be very likely making that trip out there, um, to see them start their, uh, crown defense, which should be an interesting matchup against a scrappy Lincoln Sudbury team. So that is one we are keeping an eye on. Um, and that's a two o'clock ripper. Um, I think another good one is um, at the Canton Sports Class coming up. Um, St. John's Prep going against Archbishop Williams. That's always a, a good matchup each season. And t- traditionally, those teams will play each other once or twice a year. And, you know, you have one of the top teams on the North Shore taking on one of the top teams on the South Shore from a Division One standpoint. Um, we like the makeup of both of those rosters. So that should be a pretty competitive game early. Um, St. John Shrewsbury is going to be taking on Duxbury. 
um, at the bog in Duxbury, or I believe it's in Kingston actually, technically, but yeah, um, yeah I think so. that's, that's a great, that's a great matchup as well. Two really formidable teams, two very well coached teams, I might add with, you know, pretty deep rosters. So that'll be a fun game to attend. Um, I think if I were to pick one marquee matchup, it would probably be the game at Warrior Ice Arena where uh, Catholic Memorial will be kicking off their season against Belmont. Uh, you have, you know, two of the teams that we feel are going to be pretty, um, t- pretty much top contenders um, to be one of the top teams in the state this year. Uh, they're playing at six o'clock out at Warrior Ice Arena. So, you know, that's a game we would love to catch as well. And there, of course, there are plenty of others, you know, worth consideration. Um, your Central Catholic playing St. Mary's Lynn. Um, also, that's around 7.20 at Connery. So that's another great game as well, another good matchup. One you um, can probably get later in the story. day, too. So a lot of those games yes. you talked about were earlier in the day. So, uh, you know, obviously you can't do the Belmont-CM game because that's, that's at 6. But uh, a lot of games in the afternoon on the 9th. So now you, you can hit the 7.20 game at night. It's not a bad way to spend a Saturday. Yeah, you can. It's, it's definitely – this is a double-dip kind of day. You can yeah. do two games in one day. And a lot of these are fairly close together, which makes it even easier. So, you know, that's something that we're weighing as well. Do we want to go and go for the double dip of scouting? It's something that we're definitely tossing around. So um, those are those are some of the games. And by the way, those are just the Division One games. There are plenty of others on the D2, 3, and 4 schedule that we aren't even calling out yet. But those are just a few of the ones that we have our eyes on early. Do you, do you think it takes, I mean, does it take some time for these teams to kind of get get the juices flowing a little bit here early? I mean, how, how long does it take for a team to... I'm sure it is a process, but how long does it usually take for a team to kind of feel like, all right, this is the team, you know, we, we've got things moving in the right direction. We kind of got things flowing now. Is it one game, four games? Because it's a short schedule. At the end of the day, I mean, we're talking two months, yeah. right? So uh, you can't take it too long. It's a lot of games packed into a short amount of time. Uh, but I, I, I would think there is kind of a period, especially, and again, in context, it probably depends on the team. If you've got a team that has a lot of new players, a lot of younger players, it's probably longer. It could be half the season. Uh, you know, if you're an older, more experienced team, maybe you hit the ground running a little bit more. Yeah, I, I mean, the general answer there is it takes time because I can remember the early games that we watched last year and even the year before that, you you saw a lot of, you know, the typical things that you see even on the college side or you see on even in some cases on the professional side, you see missed passes, you see overskating pucks, you see falling down, you see, you know, a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff, just like unforced errors and things that you know, kind of need to get out of your system over the course of a couple of games here, a couple of games there. That's pretty typical. And also, you know, I know that, you know, especially with these players being as competitive as they are, it's also something that we consider from a scouting perspective. You know, these are these are not finished products. Literally none of these players are. And we also realize that early in the season, you're looking at, you know, just getting things started. So you're taking little bits and pieces out of every game. And that informs, you know, your opinion as you get deeper, you see that team again and you start to see, okay, this is a bit closer to what, you know, the day-to-day game to game looks like. So I would say, you know, it takes probably two to three, three to four games and things really start humming. And it, as long as you're, you know, on a consistent, you know, schedule, that makes it a lot easier to be able to, you know, start working out some of those things. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Let's do it. All right. Uh, um, <laughs> so we talked about the teams we had at the top, you know, Pope Francis, Zavarian, the prep, all those teams that are near the top. Uh, a team outside of the top five mm-hmm. that you think could, at the end of the year, 
be a team that could be playing for a state championship? Like, is is there one team mm. in that like five through fifteen range where you're like, you know what? If everything falls right for these guys, they could be one of the last teams left standing in, in any of their divisions. Oh, you know? yeah. It's the now I'll give you an answer to, but I think it's also the thing with with Mass High School is you go through a lot of peaks and valleys. So I'm sure the teams can go back and play this audio later and go, oh boy, was Mark ever wrong on this one? Because <laughs> that's why I said I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the that's the thing is you go through so many peaks and valleys through the system. You're talking about 14 through 18 year olds. So you know this will very likely end up proving to be you know who knows. I'll but, pick one too just for fun. Yeah. So I think in terms of, you know, teams that have a lot of what you need in order to succeed, I would say my pick would be St. John Shrewsbury specifically because they have a lot of the pieces, you know, to be able to succeed um, when it gets later into the season. They have size, they have speed, they have physicality, they play heavy, they have contributions coming from the older players and the youth. Um, They have goaltending that's up and coming as well. So They've got a lot of pieces that are really interesting, and they're also going to be playing in one of the top divisions in the state, which also will continue to bump up, you know, their numbers in the rankings. So that will only help them with seeding when it comes playoff time. Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting. I'm trying to as I, I'm just thumbing through here, trying to see. I what? can. I can give you I can give you a second one if you if you want me to volunteer one for you I got one for well, you. I, I was I was gonna say either Shrewsbury or I was gonna go with a public that that feels like they, uh, yep, you know that, that's always there and and Arlington feels like they're a team that's always there. And, that's, they didn't, and didn't graduate a ton, right? I mean, they lost eight players, which is is a lot, but it's not like you know Hingham lost like seventeen. So. Uh, yeah, and it, again, it's it's we're talking about Hingham here, so it's not like they're they're not starving for talent. They're going to reload, but uh, you know, an Arlington team that that felt like they were yeah. on a little bit on the verge last year with a lot of guys coming back. I think they could yeah. sneak up on some people, and, and it, it's all relatives. They're still one of the top teams of the state, but I mean, I think they could sneak up some on some people at the end of the year. Yeah, I was. It, it's funny. It's funny you bring it up because that's that was who I was split between between oh, SJS and, and Arlington. That was kind of my split of who would I pick. And honestly, it, either of those two teams are going to be threats uh, to win national championships or to win state championships, I should say. Um, too embedded with college on the brain, but <laughs> I, I think it, it, when it comes to Arlington, because they play such a strong defensive system, there are a lot of teams, especially who haven't seen a ton of them, and that just causes them fits. And you know that, and then you know once you get down to Arlington, like two to nothing, three to nothing, you're in some trouble. Yeah. You're in a lot of trouble. So you know that's that's the key. That's really the key. And 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 I mean, we're talking about high school kids, so you can frustrate. You can get frustrated pretty easily. I mean, I know <laughs> I, I got you, I got frustrated very easily when I was in high school. Uh, but it's kind of the same thing as like even in basketball, you see those teams that just defend real hard. They're a pain, yeah. and they're a tough out. Like not to veer too far off the beaten path here, but uh, we were we were both graduates of Merrimack. Merrimack played Florida last night in basketball, and after the game, one of the Florida guard Merrimack led the, led at the half. Florida ended up winning the game, but after the game, one of the Florida guards said, "We were talking about Merrimack plays his own defense. Not a lot of college teams do." And and the kid, the kid goes, his literal answer. Somebody asked him about playing the zone. He's like, "Yeah, you know, their their guards get on on you pretty quick. It's it's just it's real." Just real annoying. 
I can imagine, you know, the, the the other side of that being like, good, yeah, that, that's the point. It's supposed to be. Well, it's the same same thing in hockey. That's the goal. If you're a team that defends really well, you know, I can see, you know, if you're on the other side of that, you're like, damn, they're just they're freaking they're just, just annoying. They're just they're 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 on top of you the yeah. whole time. Uh, and and yeah. I can see the you know the Arlington coaching staff being like, yeah, that's that's the whole point. That's 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 the goal. Yeah. So good. Yeah. That's that's very that's very very true to form. Very true to form. <laughs> we want to be the most annoying team, <laughs> at least to play against. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I think uh, I think we've hit on everything here in episode two. Is there anything else we missed? Yeah, I think this is this is just about it. I, I think the and and we covered this pretty much you know rolling through um, our coverage here. But I think the. The thing to keep in mind here for a lot of fans is I know that, you know, there it's been tough to find aggregated schedules out there. Um, so that's one of the things that we've been working on is adding more and more games. So with each day, we keep adding a few more and trying to, you know, fill up as much of the schedule as we can. So feel free to check out, you know, when you get when you get to the website, we have a, our schedule tab that is quite a bit in there. We have a list of all of the teams uh, listed as well. We've already added um, 15 or so rosters, you know, that have already come in. Um for teams where their tryouts have already wrapped up. Um, we're going to start seeing a few scores come in as well, um, potentially as early as this weekend. So keep an eye out for those. And obviously um, starting on the ninth, we'll have our recap coverage, which I know is very popular. Um, that's going to be coming back starting on Saturday. So keep an eye out for those lots on the way, lots on the way, a lot of games on the way. Uh, and we'll be back probably in a couple of weeks to talk about it all. I mean, well, we, 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 we the, We'd be right about Christmas time. You know, we'll be kind of right. It looks. I, I, I'm yep. willing to bet. Yeah, it'll actually line up well. Episode three will kind of be right after that first kind of part of the schedule before there's a little bit of a lull as we get into Christmas, and then obviously it picks up right after Christmas with with tournaments like we talked about earlier. So we'll we'll be in a good spot, I think, with episode three in a couple of weeks. We'll be kind of we'll have enough to kind of break down the the early early part of the schedule. We'll, we'll, each team will probably have you know, two or three games in at that point. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be a really good time as well, because it's going to be right before the tournaments kick off. Yeah. So we'll be able to talk through a whole bunch of those. We'll get a whole bunch of the schedules together and um, we can talk through all of that and the history behind those. So yeah, there's a, there's a ton there that we'll be able to talk about. Plus the games that we've seen players we've liked games we've watched. There's all kinds of um, open field there. Check out everything over at neutralzone.net. That'll keep you up to date. Uh, where should people be following things on social media? Absolutely. So, um, again, we'll, we'll say Twitter slash X, you know, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> what are um, we supposed to call it now? <laughs> the so the so soon to be named, but, uh, it's at mass NZ is where you can find us over there. And then we also just started an Instagram and you can find us over there at official mass NZ. Um, so feel free to give us a follow on either one of those. And obviously, you know the website, so you can follow all of the action over there. We're going to be posting a whole bunch of recaps and other pieces over the next few days. So keep an eye on that. He's Mark Bellotta. I'm Mike McMahon. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you give us a five-star rating. We talked about how much we love five-star ratings. Give us one of those. We absolutely love them. Yep. Uh, thank you, everybody, for subscribing and listening. And we'll talk to you next time on the Mass NZ Podcast.